First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 622 of First Class Fatherhood, which is a family-made media podcast. I have got a tremendous guest to hit you guys with today, legendary sportscaster Chris Myers joins me on the podcast. Uh, Chris has covered every single major sporting event that you can think of. He has covered the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NCAA Final Four, the Masters, the NBA Finals, the U.S. Open, the Triple Crown, the Olympics, the Daytona 500. I mean, he spent a decade at ESPN before joining Fox Sports in 1998, which is where he is today. He has got an iconic voice, and like I said, he is just a legend in the sportscasting world. Uh, Chris, in his fatherhood journey, tragically lost one of his sons in a car accident. It's very rare to hear him talk about it. He does so in this interview today. I'm absolutely honored to have him on the podcast. Chris Myers will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's conversation with Chris Myers was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation between the sportscasting legend and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you are a dad that is into sports, you have got to scroll through the podcast uh, archives and check out all the dads that have joined me here on the podcast from all the different sports worlds, uh, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL. I mean, I've had dads on here that have been the best 10-pin bowler in the world, uh, Bassmaster champion fisherman. So you go through, I've had bull riding champions. A lot of different sports dads have joined me here on the podcast, so go through and check them out. And and listen, the NFL season is about to kick off, and if you would like to take your son, your family to a game, my partnership with SeatGeek is coming to an end. So get over there and take advantage of it. Buy your tickets at SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS at the checkout. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you are going to save $20 on your tickets. Uh, So the season starts a couple of weeks away here from the NFL. Major League Baseball is going to round the corner towards the playoffs. So take your kids to a game. Take the family. Treat them. Save $20 on your tickets on First Class Fatherhood. Buy your tickets at SeatGeek.com or use the SeatGeek app and plug in the promo code FIRSTCLASS at the checkout. Save yourself $20 on your tickets, a gift from the podcast. All right, be sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. i got some great ones coming your way soon. And if you could, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. And never forget, dads, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Coming straight ahead, my interview with sportscasting legend Chris Myers on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Chris Myers. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. You keep trying. You hope to upgrade as best you can. So if you can hang in first class, then I guess you're doing all right. Yeah, well, that's where you are on this show. So let's start right there. How many kids do you have? How old? I have uh, one son. I, I had two. I lost a son, a teenage to a teenager to a car accident about a decade ago, which was quite tragic for the for the family. And so my youngest son, Alex, is now out of graduated college, uh, has worked through that. And uh, it was it was a test of, of, of fatherhood. But certainly, I, you know, you learn to enjoy the time you have. And that's why I think it's important uh, that you're doing something like this and to talk about about fatherhood, because you never know. 
how much time you have and you got to make every moment count. And that's something I think every every father struggles with, with trying to have a career and uh, take care of the family. And then time goes by. And and uh, but but fatherhood is the most important thing any of us can do. And, and I carry that around with me all the time, obviously. Yeah, well said, Chris. I'm going to jump more into that in just a second here. But if you could, for my listeners, just hit a quick minute on, on a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, I, I'm a, a, a broadcaster and a network broadcaster, fortunate to have gotten into the business early as a teenager, calling in on a radio show and, and worked my way through college uh, doing sports broadcasting. Uh, and then uh, was hired a local TV radio and then I hired. I was at ESPN for a decade. They're their golden years, the growth years. And then at Fox Sports for the last 20 years, as Fox has grown from a football network to baseball and and uh, NASCAR, et cetera, et cetera. So those I, I mainly cover NFL Baseball, NASCAR, even do the Westminster Kennel Club dog show every year because of my uh, my passion for for dogs. Uh, just having grown up with one, uh, dogs of all kinds. They don't have to be the the super breed. But yeah, sports casting has kind of been you know my life, and it's allowed me uh, to meet uh, to you know raise my family and to meet a lot of other interesting people and their families as well. Famous people like Bill Murray, who comes from a, from a big family. Charles Barkley, who comes from a a family in the deep South where they didn't have a lot of money. And now he's one of the great personalities. And, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Chris, you've had a legendary career. I've been watching you for years. Uh, You're known to everybody who's a sports fan. So you've had all this stuff that's gone on. Take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey. Now uh, about how old were you when you became a dad, where were you at in your career at that point and how did becoming a dad kind of shift your perspective on life? Yeah, it was, uh, well, I, you know, you're so caught up in, in doing your job and broadcasting. I was in local TV, the local news anchor in Miami, and then moved to, to New Orleans. Uh, got married back at that time in my late 20s and, and wanted to start a family, but was worried about, well, if I'm going to move and where we're going to go, you think about all those kinds of things. So I was hired by ESPN as a West Coast reporter. Uh, went out to L.A. and my wife and I both working and I've been talking about, you know, hey, we want to have a couple of kids if we could if we could work it out back then. And then when ESPN movie, uh, it was a chance to anchor Sports Center and Baseball Tonight and some other shows back in Connecticut. I thought, well, here's a, a kind of a good setting, a comfortable setting. I'm not traveling as much. And so that's about when it was, I guess, late uh, late twenties, probably. Yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a blur at the time uh, within two years, the, the children were born and, uh, yeah, it did change uh, my life because you, you, you stop thinking about yourself first. Obviously you come from a family. It's kind of an interesting transition and you're getting me to think about it. And at the time you, you, you don't think you just kind of react. Uh, but first of all, it was the greatest feeling. My dad, you know, my mom had passed away from cancer, but my dad drove up from, uh, where he lived in the Carolinas to, to be there to help out. Uh, other family members helped out because you're still working through this. But it changes your perspective from thinking about just you first uh, and you transitioned as you did as an adult from your the family you grew up with to, hey, I'm on my own. I'm doing my own thing to now. Wow, this is, you know, this is my family. I'm, I'm uh, this life uh, that's coming to the world uh, that I'm a father of. I, I'm, you know, we're linked forever. And, and you, you, maybe you don't think of it in those terms then, but as you move along, I mean, I, I was one of those started thinking for, you know, saving for college right away. You know, it's like, hey, relax. We, we got 18 years to go here. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a great, it was a great feeling. And it, and it really add, I think it, 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 it makes it not to, detract from people who don't want to be a father or have children or with parenthood. But I just think it makes your it fulfills your life more. You you feel like you have more of a, of a purpose and a sense in life. 
Yeah, very well said, Chris. And that's part of the reason why I bring so many of these high profile dads on here that have accomplished. So I just recently put out my episode. I did the NFL Hall of Fame Media Day. I've done the the last four Super Bowls where I ask all the dads on Media Day about their fatherhood journeys, just because I think who these guys are, who these athletes are as dads is far more important than who they are uh, on the field or on the court. So uh, that's why I, I love to capture that. Now, obviously, you mentioned losing a son. Uh, is every parent's worst nightmare. I just recently had Bodie Miller, the Olympic uh, uh, champion on here who lost his daughter, who drowned in a pool. And it's like just listening to these stories is like so tragic. But I think sharing the emotions of them is important for other parents that are going through this process. So take me back to that, if you could. And what kind of got you through that, like almost impossibly difficult moment to think about what, what really pulled you through? Was it faith? Was it other people around you? How did you cope with this whole thing? Yeah, and it, it, it's difficult uh, still to, to talk about, and it's one thing that I don't talk about very much publicly, uh, but, but I think it is important for that, for that reason, because you, for all the things I said about your purpose, and, and you, you start to, to question that, whatever your faith is, when these things happen, they seem so unfair. It's one thing for something to happen to you. Uh, it's another thing, the most important thing is your child, uh, once, once you have uh, children. And what helped you pull through was, you know, it is, you hear family and, and friends and, and, and faith, but you really, at the end of the day, kind of have to work through it yourself first. And I think as a, as a father, of course, as a parent, you have to be strong uh, for everybody else. And in this case, my, my younger son, who was very close in, in age, Alex, and, and Christopher is the one who died in the, in the car accident at the age of 19. His life was just beginning. So, and he was a, you know, a, a fun personality. So I, I, I think it takes time, but I, I was amazed and, and I'm grateful to this day for the, for the people around, aside from my own family, but people in the broadcast or sports business, Fox Sports, uh, President Eric Shanks at the time, Troy Aikman, uh, people that were supportive, Rick Hendrick of Hendrick Motorsports uh, in auto racing and, and anything that you needed uh, to, to help support the, the family in the recovery time so that you can get back. And I thought it was important at some point. We're all on our own time clock to get back to work, I, I, I think, just to, so that you can, can can try to function in society because there's so much going on in, internally dealing with the grief and the sadness and then the and then the acceptance of, of that. Of people like Larry Fitzgerald, the, the great wide receiver, he was on a uh, I think it was on a safari in Africa, heard from him, the commissioner of baseball, uh, Bud Selig at the time. Called. I mean, so many different people. I hate to leave people out, but uh, Bill Murray drove up uh, personally. Uh, to take, you know, my son to lunch uh, because he, you know, he talked about losing his father at a young age and coming from a big family. So people that you didn't even know, Charles Barkley lost a sibling when he was younger. Uh, so we tried to relate some of those things. So the support uh, without it, I, I don't know that you, you make it through that type of thing, but you, you still are a parent uh, at, the, at the end of the day going forward. And, and that's how you have to get through it, however it works for you. And there are all kinds of support groups and, and, and counseling and that type of thing. But I, I would say the, the, the final two things were you, you got to learn to be grateful for the time you had and then, you know, think that in whatever, uh, whatever your faith is that you're going to reconnect with them again. I mean, that's really ultimately, I think, what helps you get get through. And then you always did appreciate your time as a father, but, but then there's a parent, uh, but then you appreciate it even more. You know, it was one of those, not that I didn't before, but I was like, wow, now every, every moment counts even more. And that, and that's the thing, you know, you can talk about it, but really the time you spend with your children is the most valuable. You can never spend, as I look back, enough time with your kids. Yeah, really well said, Chris, and, and I appreciate you talking about it. I, I would only imagine it's, you know, obviously sorry for your loss and, and the whole bit. And I'm kind of curious, too, 
you, you was it was there an issue like or how did you kind of go about it with your son Alex especially when he was you know dry I mean my oldest I have four kids my oldest is 16 just getting his driver's permit I'm already got all those fears myself as a dad uh what comes with that how were you as far as your son Alex being able to get on the road get a car was this something for you to have to work through how did that work out for you yeah, I, I ended up spending more time with, with him, and he was in a transition period from high school to college at that part of his life, very important years, and and I give him a lot of credit for for having uh, strength as a, as a young man, and hopefully when he's a father one day, it'll help him uh, through uh, difficult things, because you said it's it's really the worst thing, and, and look, people have had great tragedies, but you don't, you ever really think about it uh, until it happens to you or somebody close to you. And uh, yeah, that, that time I ended up, we ended up spending more time, uh, you know, if there's any kind of gain from, from something like this and, and, and quality time and communicating and, and I, I opening up channels that maybe you might not have thought about before. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's doing well. And, and it, it taught me a lot of things about, about life and things more than I wanted to, to have to learn about being a parent getting through. We all have difficult times. It's sometimes how difficult. And as long as you stay at working through them, I think, and remember the priority, which is, you know, being, being a father for your, for your children, uh, then I think you'll be okay. Yeah, really good stuff. And obviously you got one of the coolest dad jobs, I would imagine, uh, for, for kids growing up. Did, was there any uh, time that your kids had like a certain player they wanted to meet or did they get to go to a Super Bowl? Was there anything that they that they got a chance to be involved in that was kind of cool for you? Father son moments during during the journey? Oh, yeah, there's there were there were quite a few. And you, you want to make sure at, at first, you know, it's funny that, that uh, the pressure on them and I never really thought about this, but the pressure on them in school, especially when they were younger, their friends, if they were on a soccer team or a little league baseball team, they're like, oh, his dad, his dad's in sports. So they got to be really good. It's like I can only imagine, right, that the children of professional athletes and, and my kids, they like sports, but they, you know, they weren't into it competitively. I mean, they were fans of it because of me being in the business, but they had, you know, they were going through the video games game phase and that type of thing so i didn't push them a lot into i yeah you spent some time with them but i wanted them to enjoy what they wanted to enjoy so that there was a little bit of pressure on that so and, and, and there was a phase there where they saw sports when they were really younger as the, uh, taking their dad away from them which is an interesting thing like wow you know that's going to a game again instead of, instead of going to our game you know i'm like well it's the super bowl kids I, you can come with me if you want I'm like nah, nah, we, so there, there was that there's that adjustment period and then as they got a little older into their uh teen years or even really before that they could get to go to events my, my son big brett Favre fan back in the day got to go to one of his playoff games and and, and meet him uh boy they they were fans of different teams it's funny for different reasons and uh once uh you know uh, i was gonna say one time they were interested in meeting shaquille o'neal who who was very nice uh, to them this you know we say large human being but bigger than life in terms of not just physical stature uh and they were kind of fans of their own team which i appreciate i, you know, I grew up in South Florida, and then we lived in in Los Angeles. So you root for certain teams, but they also, I think, they latched on. I was proud of this for them, and I tried to emphasize, hey, I I try to be impartial, even though my roots are as a sports fan are with certain teams, but but I, I root for you know for good guys or people who I like that kind of thing. So they would watch for stuff, and they would say, I'm I'm, I'm I root for that team, you know, the Falcons at the time. Matt, Matt Ryan, he's a real. I read about him a lot. He's a really good guy the way he treats people, and so uh, that was kind of one of the, one of the cool things. But yeah, I would always bring them things from. Uh, they didn't, they weren't able to come along from Super Bowls or World Series or or that type of thing. When you're going through it, though, again, as a dad, and I you know I remind dads out there, it, it happens fast, you know. So if they, if you get the chance uh, to take them, whether it's missing school for a day, it's worth it, you know, to have.
have them with you so that they can share that experience. So if they want to, obviously, you have to find that that fine line. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about it from that perspective where the kids would look at it like they see sports almost in a negative light of taking my dad away from me. I, I never thought of it that way. And you're right. As far as the pressure on the kids, like I, I always ask a lot of these athletes uh, what that's like, that the kids don't have to grow up in the kind of the shadow. And the other part of that is like I remember doing an interview with Edger and James where he came from really humble beginnings. And now he's in a situation where his kids pretty much have everything that they want at their fingertips. And they're growing up in a completely different way. And it creates that kind of dynamic uh, between them. And obviously you, you, you've been doing this for a very long time. Have you had any kind of, I love seeing like, especially on the Super Bowl when the confetti's coming down and the dads are holding their kids. I think those are some of the greatest images that we see. Do you have any kind of recollection of like a really cool father son moment that's taken place on the field or post game or something like that with the, between the players and their kids? Yeah, I well, I, I didn't have anything like that. I mean, most of that was when I came home and they were like, hey, dad, we saw this. and We saw you interview Tom Brady after, you know, his greatest comeback. And we saw you interview, you know, the, the, the Red Sox, uh, you know, David Ortiz or Manny Machado after they finally broke through and won the World Series, th- those kinds of things. But maybe the uh, kind of a family, it was a strange family moment. I, I had the, the, the first live uh, interview with O.J. Simpson after both the wrongful death suit and, and the, the criminal, the, the murder, the double murder trial. And, uh, and that was when I taped it. When we did it live in the studio of Los Angeles, I should say. But when I got home that day, I mean, it was like at a time where everybody gathered around the TV to see uh, on the up close show for ESPN. So when I got home, it was my children were young. The family neighborhood, they were all intense because of the, the volume of, of that and the magnitude of, of that trial. And then the afterward. Uh, so that that interview, uh, uh, when I got back, it, was, it wasn't so much like a, a hero's welcome kind of thing. But, you know, everybody was waiting to kind of talk to me. And the kids were like, they didn't quite even at that age, they understood. But there was like, wow, this was a major moment that everybody's asking him about their teachers, their their instructors from, you know, the Little League or whatever. Uh, and so that that was a moment, I think where it really clicked with them about sometimes the importance of, of, of doing, you know, a job, even though it's, sports is fun and games and sports broadcasting, but the people were paying attention a lot. And another thing that, that had happened often, but people would come up, you know, I was taking them out to Chuck E. Cheese or we would be going to, uh, even if it wasn't a sporting event and somebody wanted to talk sports, uh, they were okay at first, you know, not that people were rude, they were friendly, but they were like, Hey, this is, you know, my time with my dad, you know, we, he's not on the clock here working. So, I can only imagine how celebrities of a great magnitude feel when, when they get stopped, when they're with their families. It's a different kind of a thing. So, uh, But yes, my uh, the kids really did appreciate uh, what was going on, even if they quite, at first they didn't quite understand it. Then later when they did, they really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I remember the interview with OJ, and obviously the OJ thing became, uh, you know, where were you at the time? I was in high school, remember watching the Verde. It was like one of those moments in history. It was one of the biggest ones, and uh, so cool to be involved in it. And and so, you know, I talk a lot on this show, Chris, about the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country. We got so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. And one of those real key components missing is the discipline portion of that from the fathers, especially with young boys uh, growing up. So what type of disciplinarian were you as a father with the boys growing up? And is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Yeah, and I think that's a very important, and things change in, in time, you know, in terms of communication, understanding, but one thing that doesn't, is, and you're right, is, is discipline, and it's really important to, to, I think, having some success and really enjoying and having a good life is some discipline, others degrees of discipline, and 
you know, you learn from whether you want to or not. And at some point as a parent, you become your own parent. But you do learn from your parents, you know, what what went on then. My, my father was a guy who fought in World War II, grew up as a kid during the Depression. His father died when he was very young. So, he, you know, we had five children. He worked a second job so we could go to better schools or live in a better neighborhood. We didn't have a lot growing up, but, but there was a sense of discipline there about, you know, understanding the value of hard work and a dollar, uh, you know, what, what, you know, what you want, you, you don't get it until you earn it kind of a thing. Um, and the, the form of, there, there, there wasn't, you know, physical discipline, thing like that, but, but it was, it was harsh, you know, when you were yelled at, you know, by your mom or your dad, it, it made a difference. So I, I had, to, I, my voice obviously, and I had to realize uh, it's funny because even your kids just say, as they got older, they're like, dad, you don't realize your, your voice. I'm like, this is my real voice is when I talk it. So when you, sometimes even if you're saying something and you don't mean it in, in a mean way, it comes off as a mean way. It's a little scary. And I, so I didn't realize that until I, until I got a little bit older. I'm like, wow, I have to almost like alter my, my voice sometimes talking to them. But obviously it got through with, with discipline. I, I think there were, you know, just setting boundaries, guidelines. I just wanted, they emulate, I guess the bottom line going back is you emulate a lot of what your dad does in terms of temper and things like that. So I tried to work with them on that, like, hey, this is when I do this, you know, and I lose my, and my voice goes up. That's something you, if you can control that, you don't want to do it. But yes, uh, boundaries, uh, I had to set those a lot. I remember that they were going through a video game craze where I was like, you have to get off the video games this time for home or just get outside with your friends or let's go for a ride. Now they want, they, it was almost like an addiction to the point that we, I almost had to like I take the video games and lock them in my trunk of my car so they wouldn't find them when I wasn't around so that they wouldn't go go play them to, to draw that kind of line and to show them how serious uh, that, that I was. That wasn't the greatest problem, but it was one example that came to mind because it was an ongoing thing with them. And then later, it's funny uh, for them that sometimes their their use of video games uh, helped them with uh, computer work in, in school and college, you know, college and, and even with jobs in terms of uh, allowing them, since they were so savvy, uh, working the, uh, that, that type of electronic and social media. So, uh, yes, uh, discipline, absolutely important. How you go about it, I often say, let's leave that up to the, the family and the, and the parent. Obviously, I'm not into the, the physical part of that. I, I don't think you need to go unless there is some physical incidents and then you have to go, I think, for some outside help. That would be my suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Really well said, Chris. And yeah, and I think all parents, I mean, I know Mike, to speak for myself, we're battling with the technology left and yeah. right. It's just getting even since the pandemic, it got even worse because we seemed to have a handle on it before the pandemic. Then it was like everything became online, their school, everything. So it's it's become that much more difficult uh, to kind of get them away from it. And I find myself more and more addicted to the technology as we're going on. Yeah, so I, mean, I think we're all guilty of that now. Yes. And, it, and it, well, because, you know, it's, it's simple that the, the phone is now not just a phone. It's a, it's a computer. It's, it's also a camera. It's, there's so many things and you feel like you're, you're lost without it. So I, so I, I understand, but it, it can be a dig. I mean, yes, we need to discipline ourselves. And again, if your kids see you on the phone at dinner, and then you talk to them about, you know, hey, put your phone down during dinner. They're like, well, you have, you're like, yeah, you got me. So I, you have to kind of, they, what they see is how they react at any age. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. And, and as I said, my oldest is just starting to drive here. There's so many parts of this I haven't gotten to in my own fatherhood journey. And one of those is them dating. And uh, so that's another part of it that I'm, you know, I'm having the conversations with them, but we haven't had the girlfriend and the relationships right. and the breakup. So how did you kind of handle that when your kids became old enough to start dating? What kind of advice did you give them uh, before all that or how it's all played out? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know they learn a lot now, or they have through through the stretch with with my uh, sons through their friends. Obviously, school and now social media opens up a whole new thing. So I think you need to communicate to them early. And look, sometimes it's awkward for the dad to tell the kid about you know with with guys and girls and what's going on there. You have to be you know and and about the dating process. I I would go back to well, certainly you know number one, I did try to talk to them about the certain things that physically kind of go on right at an early age. I tried; it was a little awkward, but they kind of were ahead of me on all, all of that and and a little bit about you know it's, it starts with respect about the other person and and clear communication and in, in, in today's world and and not you know sometimes things are said that, that aren't meant but you have to really read the room as was my expression i worded differently for uh for for them but yeah it's important to have and, and whether it's a a uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or just a friendship kind of thing. I mean, being you know loyal to people or honest to people, or or also if you feel like they're not being that with you, you need to address it uh, and then move out of that friendship or or relationship at any age. And it's where that comes in. I think was a little bit of a of a challenge. I, I think so. I did have that. I tried to have that talk with them a, a little bit earlier. It's funny you mentioned driving too, and that was a something I wanted to be uh, very ahead of the game on because you know having a car and your independence, although it's changed a little in today's world with Uber and, and things like that. But um, I, I, I wanted to be a part of that process. So that was, you know, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm just an aggressive <laughs> driver and impatient driver. So again, in trying to teach them, I think it forced me to, to be a better driver. That's another thing I think kids do or being a, being a father or a parent does it. It helps us to be better people. Again, the, the bigger picture so that you're, you're always trying to, I think as a, you know, not, not to knock whatever kind of father or parent you had, but you, you just think for your kids, whatever they did that you wanted to improve upon, I'm going to improve upon that with, with my kids. You know, just like, hey, I want them to have a better or I don't talk to the number of athletes, wealthy, successful people about this. But you don't want to spoil them. You know, you want them to, to learn the discipline and the hard work, but also enjoy life and not have some of the stress or worries that maybe we went through uh, in, in, in our world. So that that talk, however you have it with relationships, dating. Uh, not only you don't want to scare them because you want you want them to naturally enjoy that, but it, you have to be careful. I mean, one little mistake and 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 you can put your your the rest of your life and someone else's life in in uh, in great peril there. So um, I I think they live and learn, and that's the part of what they observe. They see how you treat uh, people you're you're dating or going out with or friends or coworkers, and even if they hear about it and you tell them something different, they're going to look at that as well. So I think again. And that's leading by example is is probably the best thing. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, I have a 16 year old and a 15 year old, so I'm right in the thick of that with my boys. Yeah. And then it's a drop to my 11 year old and my eight year old, so we're not there yet. And, and so uh, hopefully I'm callousing myself for when they come through it. But as you mentioned there too, Uber and Lyft, one of the best. I mean, I drive a lot of Uber part time uh, throughout the years as a side hustle. And uh, one of the greatest things about this generation is that they do use the Uber and Lyft when they're drinking. Like, it seems like they are disciplined in that yes. way, this generation. So that's a good part of it. Uh, but the other thing that's kind of odd is that, like, for my 16-year-old and his friend, they don't seem to be in a rush to get their license like I think we were when we were kids. Like, they, they're kind of like, eh, if I get it, I get it. If not, no big deal, I think, because Uber and Lyft is there. Yes, exactly. It's, and it's a nice thing to have for that reason. But I think maybe, too, some of the responsibility of driving, the, the you can't do some of the things, you know, also having to pay for the car, the insurance, or if you have your parents help, you have to make sure, you, you know, where you're parking or if you go out and partying with friends, you know, where you're going with that type of thing. But I, I think, uh, so there's some good things, not to knock video games and social media, but I do think, especially for, and I wonder how I would have handled it, and even is how fast the social media 
and technology has changed. I mean, things, you know, we progress as a society over time, whether radio, television, whatever, and, and, and what's next. And, and now I think there's a lot of pressure on, especially, well, there is on everybody at every age, but especially in that young window when you're developing, kids are developing, they're, you know, you read about things, not, their brain cells are not fully developed until when they're in their early 20s. So those teen years where you're really kind of shaping a lot of your identity from through high school, college, I, I mean, there's a tremendous challenge there of, of looking a certain way or having certain things. And, and let's be honest, a lot of what you see on social media is uh, just like reality shows is not reality. It's staged. It's a second take. It's produced. It's, it's you're seeing some, somebody's best side, not their complete side. And so I, I think as a parent today, especially with younger kids, that's, that's really a challenge. And, and, and kids, you know, they want to find their own way with their friends. And sometimes they rely on social media more than listening to their own, their own mom and dad. And I think that's, there's a little bit of a danger there. Yeah. Yeah. One thing to be embarrassed in front of the school, another thing to be embarrassed in front of the whole world to see. So there's definitely a big change there. So, uh, what, what you put out there in social media, I'm just reminded because I just watched a, 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 a Netflix special on this. It stays forever, you know, or it can, you know, and people can do damaging things with that. So that's another another thing to warn uh, young your kids about, I guess. Yeah, it's a whole new challenge for parents that didn't exist for my parents coming up for sure. So uh, what's next for you here, Chris? What kind of plans, what kind of goals, what's coming up next for you? What are you working on? Uh, NFL season is, uh, is always uh, fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I'll take, you know, my son, he'll, he'll pick and choose, you know, whether he wants to go to a Dodger playoff game or, uh, or an NFL game based on his, uh, work, a college schedule, that, that type of thing. He's, and his, and his, you know, his health situation, uh, but, and, and spending, uh, and I really have become a, a better, and I'll, I'll say this too, I, I, especially for young dads, uh, better, at least I've tried to be better at, at still doing the job and, you know, pouring yourself into your career, what you like to do, but, but making sure you, you get the time you have, you know, uh, and, and so I have had a lot of, uh, family time and, and also I think having, you know, uh, your, your children around relatives when you can, you know, some are distant in the kind of world we live in, if they're not in the neighborhood or you see them often. So, uh, but, but yeah, it's been a nice summer that way. Uh, so I plan, you know, as, as a, as a fan of sports, there would be seasons anyway, and that's kind of how it is for me. There's some baseball, postseason baseball, then into the NFL, uh, getting back to Florida for Buccaneers preseason uh, TV games, and then we'll be into you know NASCAR season before we know it. So again, the schedule keeps going, uh, but I, I'm trying to enjoy you know every moment as a dad, and that's that's the thing that I'll always do no matter what. Yes, so cool, Chris. And the last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads. You probably you touched on this quite a few times during the interview, but uh, what kind of advice would you have for that new dad out there, or for that about to be father who's listening? Well, I, and I'll even go ahead of that. Uh, the advice of uh, obviously, uh, look, when things happen, they happen. Uh, but but think about, you know, make make sure you, you know, just don't get into this and say I'll figure it out, even though that's kind of all we do. But but think about how you how you want to do it, where you are in your life with your career and the person you're with, and where you want to live. Because once you have a child, they become the priority, and you really have to think that way. And you can you can think that way a little bit ahead of time, so that you don't put yourself or any more stress. Uh, on your own family or yourself or, or your relationship. Uh, I guess the number one advice, you know, spend as much time as you can within the balance of your, of your life. Be as involved as you can. Again, the, 
your children, even as babies, they see and they hear what you're about. They emulate. And then that communication, if you can have it, stay on their level so that they come to you when they have a question or a problem that they're not afraid or not afraid. They might even they don't they feel they don't feel as comfortable coming to you with with a question or an issue or a concern when they hit that some kind of problem in their life. And they will at all kinds of young ages, whether it's a, a problem at school with a teacher, a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Uh, and and enjoy enjoy the time you have because again it's, it really is uh, precious and and you're in for the for the long haul which I think is it which is a good thing it's a good ride. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Chris Myers, your first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Oh, my pleasure, and it's really nice that you're doing this. I think it, it can help all of us. Thank you. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family made media podcast please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.